While we still have a long way to go until the start of the 2023 season, why not start talking about what happens if everything goes right and what happens if everything goes wrong? It is Friday, May 26th. This is the College Football Daily. I am Lance Glenn. 24-7 Sports National College football writer Brad Crawford put out an article detailing the best and worst case scenarios for every team in the Big Ten earlier this week. And on today's episode, we are going to run through a few of the most notable schools that have pretty stark differences when comparing everything going their way to nothing working for them next year. You can find the whole article with every Big Ten team over at 247sports.com. And joining me now to discuss it is the aforementioned Brad Crawford. Brad, how are we doing? Thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate you giving me some time today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a busy offseason from college football's transfer portal to the ACC possibly disbanding and now the Big Ten having not one, not two but three or four capable playoff type teams. Yeah, and 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 that's what sort of makes it fun, right, is that it's not just Ohio State and Michigan this year. Right. You have a team like Penn State, for example, uh, that could definitely compete with those two uh, and has shown it not only on the field, but on the recruiting trail, specifically the last few years. And of course, there's an influx of coaches in the Big Ten West with Matt Rule at Nebraska now and Luke Fickle at Wisconsin now, Ryan Walters at Purdue, that are certainly bringing some excitement to those programs. So it's not just the uh, the traditional top two that are going to be fighting in the final game of the season to see who gets to the Big Ten championship game. But there's a couple other teams that could definitely make some noise in in both sides of the conference. Yeah, I think Wisconsin's a team that you didn't mention there in the lead up that could certainly make a run, possibly being a dark horse playoff team. I think the Badgers are going to be playing for a spot in the playoff in the Big Ten championship game. Wisconsin's schedule, we all know that schedule favorability, especially in the Big Ten, with as tough as it is in that week-to-week meat grinder like the SEC. If you have a favorable schedule, you can get to Indianapolis, and Wisconsin can do that. So that's one of my bold predictions. I think Wisconsin is going to challenge for double-digit wins. And then Cade McNamara's arrival at Iowa from the transfer portal at Michigan, I think he's going to turn that Hawkeyes offense into a top 50, top 60 type offense after being arguably the Power Five's worst offense last fall. Well, look, Brian Ferentz is certainly banking on Cade McNamara transforming that offense, to say the least. Um, And we're going to hit on Wisconsin. We're going to hit on Iowa, Nebraska, Penn State, two other teams we're going to hit on. Uh, I know one of my, before we get to those specific teams and talking best and worst case scenarios, I know a team that, and maybe this isn't so much of a bold prediction, right? We just said how there are other teams uh, that are competing with the top two of Ohio State and Michigan. But I do think this year is the year for Michigan to three-peat as Big Ten champions, right? I mean, J.J. McCarthy is the most experienced quarterback among, let's say, the top three in the East of Penn State, was uh, Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State obviously coming back. You have question marks, obviously, with Drew Aller. I know so highly touted as a recruit, but we have yet to see him, in, see him in extensive game action for Penn State. And obviously, the Ohio State quarterbacks are the same way. We saw a little bit of Kyle McCord, obviously, two years ago, but that was a game against Akron, if I remember correctly. Uh, so over a full season, we haven't seen either of the two quarterbacks, but we have seen J.J. McCarthy. So I do think this is sort of Michigan's year to three-peat with the question marks of Penn State and Ohio State coming into the season. But look, the fact that it's kind of up in the air and it's not just a, a lock for it to be Penn State or for it to be Ohio State or Michigan is is really welcome for me too uh, as a Big Ten fan and as a fan of the Scarlet Knights. Granted, my team isn't going to be competing for the Big Ten title, but nevertheless, it's fun to see a little bit of parity within the conference. I sort of wish we had college football playoff expansion this year because you're talking about the Big Ten having more than two teams that are more than capable of, of getting to that 
you know, final weekend or so in college football. Like you said, Penn State's a team that I think around January, February, Lance, they had some sort of dark horse love to make the playoff. Now here we are in mid-May and they're just full-blown off-season media darlings. So I, I'd I do sort of temper expectations there, but Penn State will will get to them. But I, I love what they have come back in the backfield. And then Drew Allar, former five-star quarterback, you have to have elite talent under center to win big in college football. And James Franklin, for the first time in Happy Valley, finally has that. So let's let's start with the Nittany Lions, Brad. When we're talking best and worst case scenarios for a few Big Ten teams here, let's begin with Penn State, State College, Pennsylvania. We go. Their best case in your article is twelve and zero. The worst case in your article for them is eight and four. And obviously, we just talked about it, right? Drew Aller, so much talent, so much potential. We saw it in limited action in his freshman season, and we obviously saw it throughout his high school career too. But of course, he's just going to be a redshirt freshman, right? He's someone who doesn't have extensive action over a full season, someone who didn't see the field against Ohio State, who I have to remember back, I don't think saw the field against Michigan, although Michigan ended up winning in a blowout. Now, Penn State, obviously, they do host Michigan this season. They went on the road last year, but they do have to go to the horseshoe, have to travel to Columbus to play Ohio State this season. So why those two best case and worst case scenarios for for the Nittany Lions? And how do you see their season kind of playing out here in 2023? This is going to be an elite team. I put Penn State number four in my way too early poll back in January. Coming out of spring, I've still got Nittany Lions top five at number five. I think unless Drew Allard just is not a good quarterback and just cannot handle the expectations, I don't see there any way Penn State goes eight and four and hits that worst case scenario. For that to happen, the second half of the schedule would just have to go off of the Nittany Lions. Talking about losses at Ohio State, Maryland, Michigan, maybe an upset loss to Michigan State the Friday after Thanksgiving. So Penn State will at least win nine games this season. And I've got best case scenario at 12-0 and 0 because I do think James Franklin has put together an elite enough roster to win games against Ohio State and Michigan. We saw last year Penn State finish 10-2. and 2. So the Big Ten has three potential playoff candidates, four if you're including Wisconsin. And I put Penn State, Lance, right in the mix with Ohio State and Michigan as far as three of the most talented teams in college football. Yeah, and if you remember that Ohio State game, it was a really close game heading into late third, early fourth quarter, and then things kind of unraveled uh, for the Nittany Lions in that fourth quarter. That was kind of like the JT Tuimolau like coming out game, sort of, as he had, I think, a defensive touchdown, an interception, a sack, X amount of tackles for loss, um, and obviously the Michigan game. Penn State, I think, if I remember correctly, was actually leading at halftime, but the score was certainly not indicative of how those two teams were playing. Michigan pretty much dominated, just couldn't find their way into into the end zone, and then obviously. It kind of blew up for Penn State in the second half and Michigan really pulled away. But look, a lot of expectations in Happy Valley, a lot of expectations in, in, in State College for Penn State uh, with Drew Alar obviously at the helm now at quarterback. Let's go to Wisconsin because you mentioned earlier that they're a team that you think could compete as a dark horse for the college football playoff. They don't have a very difficult schedule, which is key for a Big Ten West team when you do have those couple of crossover games. Their best case is 12-0. and Their worst case scenario is 8-4 and in Luke Fickle's first season. Why are you going with those two records for best and worst? Yeah, back in January, I mentioned Wisconsin perhaps making the best offseason coaching hire of any Power 5 school, landing Luke Fickle. And then the Badgers followed that up with a second home run edition of Phil Longo, the OC from UNC, who really helped develop Drake May into a possible top pick in next year's draft. 
this is not going to be your typical ground and pound Wisconsin team that we've seen through the years. So much so that I've been told by sources close to Madison that a few of the returning starters on offense had to battle through somewhat of a learning curve with that new system this spring. But, you know, tailback Braylon Allen's a guy who could rush for 1,500 yards if he stays healthy. I really love the addition of Tanner Mordecai at quarterback from the transfer portal. And there's a chance, Lance, that Wisconsin plays only one top 20 team all season, which is unheard of facing a Big Ten schedule. And that's at home against Ohio State in late October. So I'm projecting the Badgers to win their side of the Big Ten, get to the Big Ten championship game, and then potentially get to a New Year's Six Bowl. So I think Wisconsin's best case scenario is 12-0, and probably closer to a 10-win t- team than a 12-0 and team. But to get to 8-4, and Wisconsin would have to be not so great on defense and then the air raid principles on offense, there there would take some growing pains there. So the schedule sets up for big time success for Luke Fickle and he's already been to the playoff once with Cincinnati. And even if they don't get to 12 and 0, if you told any Wisconsin fan that in Luke Fickle's first season, they'll win 10 games, let's say, I'm sure they would take that in a heartbeat, right? This is obviously a team that is going through some transition, as you talked about, with the change, complete change, really, in offensive philosophy, something that we're just so not used to seeing Wisconsin do in the air raid, bringing in, obviously, former North Carolina offensive coordinator Phil Longo, really will be a fun team to watch and an interesting team to watch heading into 2023. Another program in the Big Ten West, obviously, with a first year head coach, is Nebraska. And their best case scenario, you gave them eight and four. Their worst case scenario, four and eight. I mean, look, if you told Nebraska fan that they get six wins and they go to a bowl game, they'll be, you know, jumping for joy. It's been a while since Nebraska has been to a bowl game and obviously didn't go any of those years with Scott Frost. They avoid crossover games against Penn State and Ohio State, which is big. They do have to play Michigan, of course, but avoiding at least two of the three powers in the Big Ten East is pretty significant. So what are you feeling about Nebraska heading into 2023? The first month of the season for the Huskers is vital toward establishing confidence that they can sort of take into the meat of that Big Ten schedule. If Nebraska starts 0-2 under Matt Rule against Minnesota and Colorado, both road games, by the way, then the worst case scenario could come into play. But if they're able to split those games, maybe start three and one prior to hosting Michigan in week five, I think it is at the end of September, there's some momentum there heading into that sort of middle portion of the slate. So to get to a best case scenario, I think I had them eight and four best case where this 10, this team gets to bowl season and maybe finishes a game or two better than odds makers think. Jeff Sims would need to be one of the league's better quarterbacks from a production standpoint. Marcus Satterfield's offense as a Gamecock fan has a tendency to get overcomplicated at times in terms of personnel packages, what he wants to do. And I'm worried that Nebraska fans are going to see some early growing pains and some of that with his playbook this season. So September is vital for Nebraska to not only meet expectations, but perhaps surpass them. If they're able to win that opener at Minnesota on Thursday night, that's a huge swing game for the Huskers. And then that week two game at Colorado, we think Nebraska is going to have a better roster overall. But man, we know Deion Sanders is going to be trying to win that game because in week one, they've got TCU and they ain't winning that one. Let's talk about our final team staying in the Big Ten West. A lot of Big Ten West flavor. Iowa. 11 and 1 is the best case scenario. The worst case scenario is 7 and 5. Now, obviously there's been so much going on with Iowa off the field this offseason, right? So much surrounding offensive coordinator Brian Ferentz and sort of an ultimatum of sorts of what he has to get this offense to and what the team overall has to accomplish for him to keep his job. Now they do looking at the schedule and looking at what they have coming in 2023. They do avoid Ohio State. 
They avoid Michigan, which is, again, we talked about it uh, with the Nebraska. Avoiding two of the top three in the Big Ten East is pretty significant when you have to crossover games, but they do have to play Penn State on the road. So a lot riding this year, a lot riding on this year, I should say, for Brian Ferentz, yeah, but for Kirk Ferentz as well, too, uh, bringing in Cade McNamara, bringing in a couple other transfers to help bolster that offense. How are you feeling about the Hawkeyes heading into what is a pretty pivotal 2023 for the program? I'm going to say that I'm cautiously optimistic that Iowa figures things out on offense. Last season around this time, Lance, Iowa was one of my more underrated teams nationally, was not inside the top 25 at the time, and didn't finish there after a disastrous season by by program standards. Once again, I think Iowa's being overlooked a bit, and a lot of that falls on you know last year's dreadful numbers offensively. But I do think getting Cade McNamara from Michigan, who backed up J.J. McCarthy at quarterback last season, and then getting the wideout from Ohio State, both those guys are major additions from the portal and a step in the right direction. You know Iowa will be one of the nation's best on Phil Parker's side of the ball defensively, but this offense has to show a pulse, and it has to show some explosion for the first time in years to really throw Wisconsin at the top of that division. So like you mentioned, the Hawkeyes are going to miss Ohio State and Michigan. They do play Penn State and Wisconsin on the road. And I got to check my notes, but I think Iowa is the only team in the Big Ten with eight straight games to open the season before that late October open week. So Iowa has to get things figured out in a hurry because week two at Iowa State won't be an easy game. And then the Big Ten opener at the end of September at Beaver Stadium against Penn State, that's probably a top six team that Iowa's going to face. So I think Iowa's better in 2023. Whether they win the division or not, though, is going to rely on McNamara being a star and that offense being light years ahead of where it was last season. Yeah, I also really like the addition of, of uh, tight end Eric All for, for Iowa as well. You go back Very to 2021 addition, yeah. uh, when Cade McNamara led Michigan to the playoff. Uh, Eric All caught 40 passes that year. Um, took a step back last year. I think dealt with injury for most of the season too, but obviously 40 passes has that connection with Cade McNamara both of them coming over from Michigan certainly will be a lot of eyes on Iowa's offense specifically on the whole team of course but on the offense specifically heading into 2023 so so much to look forward to in the Big Ten and like we talked about earlier finally it seems like not only Ohio State and Michigan have a chance to win the conference and push for a college football playoff spot Brad thanks so much for coming on remember to give us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, and of course make sure to head on over to the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel and click that subscribe button and also, you can find Brad's full article over at 247sports.com, the best and worst case scenarios for all 14 Big Ten teams. So for Brad Crawford, I am Lance Glenn. Thanks for listening to the College Football Daily. We will talk to you again next week.